passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the second episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We started this last week. We had a, uh, a good return on it. Now we're back for week two. And then we've got a lot to talk about this week. Last week, we kind of went through the offseason. This week, Buckeyes play Notre Dame Saturday night, prime time. I'm actually at a bar for this happy hour uh, event. I've got something going on later with, uh, with a, a group that I do with uh, soccer. So I met Zaftig in... Uh, in Columbus here, got one of their beers, recommend this place. Uh, there's a big soccer bar if you're into that, but they also show the Buckeye games. They'll have college football on Saturday. So if you're in the area, it's sort of right by campus. I recommend checking them out. They're good people and they let me use their bar to, uh, to host this happy hour. We'll do a lot of talk in Ohio State today, um, but we're going to start off talking, the, talking about the Irish. We've got Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated joining us, our 247 site. Tim, thanks for uh, jumping on here for a little bit. We'll uh, we'll, we'll um, talk a little bit about this game and kind of get your thoughts on everything. If, if you guys who are watching this live have any questions, feel free to drop them in there for Tim, and, and we'll try and get as many answered. But, Tim, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. I would like to be at a bar as well, but for some reason my kids are off Thursday, Friday, and Monday this week, so I am home. It was quite a yeah. That's nice for Notre Dame Ohio State week, right? Yeah, I was gonna say that's this is a not the week to have that happen. But uh, look, I'll just have a second beer here once you Thank hop you off for, for you, um, and and maybe I'll find you in press box, bring you a beer on Saturday. Um, post game, that'd be awesome. They're, they're, yeah. Every once in a while, I, I still remember the places that bring you beer post game, and they're they're few and far between. Yeah, we've tried to get Jerry Emig, the SID at Ohio State, to do it. And uh, he's a beer guy from Minnesota, loves a good beer. We've had beers with him on the road, but he's not yet agreed to have them in the press box post game. So we'll see. We may have to just bring our own. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's get into this game a little bit. I want to ask you about the vibe from the Notre Dame side of things, the, specifically the fan base. I think a lot of people who are interested have paid attention to what Marcus Freeman and the players said this week. But obviously, this is a little different situation. The game is in Columbus. So, you know, I'm sure there will be plenty of Notre Dame, Notre Dame fans traveling to Ohio Stadium. But how are, how are they feeling? What's the excitement level among the fan base and, and just around the program heading into this one? Well, as you know, this game has been so anticipated that eight months ago, not many Notre Dame fans were saying they're going to go into Columbus and beat Ohio State. Sure. And even when that point spread came out of, of 15 that it started at and hit 17 and a half, now people are more and more convinced that they are, and that's the most underrated team in the world and everything. Of course, but that's that happens when you're leading into games like this. And I think just if Brian Kelly was still there, this is not fair, but if Brian Kelly was still there, the excitement wouldn't be the same because after 12 years, they figured Brian Kelly wouldn't win this game, or if he did, he would lose to Alabama in the playoff game by four touchdowns or something. So with Marcus Freeman there, Everybody's more excited. I mean, people love Marcus Freeman because he seems like a very genuine guy. He's easy to get into. Yeah. yeah, he's the opposite of Brian Kelly if you if you just put them together as coaches. Now, hopefully he won't be the opposite of Brian Kelly because I think Kelly has a 39-game winning streak against when he's favored as he left Notre Dame. And that's not Freeman's case this week. But, of course, it's nice to win all the games when you're favored, right? Because Notre Dame yeah. will be favored in 10 games. And Brian Kelly, we guarantee and get 10-2 and two when that happens. So, yeah, there's a lot more excitement. Notre Dame fans are talking themselves into – winning the game that I don't think they were even a month and a half ago. Um, I do think, as I've been kind of looking it over when you think that, like, where Notre Dame 
has an advantage because there's most places they don't. You're like, well, you know what? The one place they have an advantage that matters in college football games is if their defensive line is better than Ohio State's offensive line, and they can kind of handle that. Now, there's still three plays, 75-yard drives that happen over the top of sure. college football too. But once you talk yourself into a line being better, all of a sudden you start thinking everything can kind of go from there. One of the big talking points this offseason about this game, and I'm sure you guys heard about it there, but you mentioned Marcus Freeman, obviously a guy who played at Ohio State, had some comments throughout the offseason about Ohio State that I thought were somewhat taken out of context. Actually, yeah. Freeman even came out and, and said he was misquoted at one point. But what is your vibe on just kind of how Marcus Freeman views this situation, um, you know, Obviously, it's a tough situation to be in, right? It's his sure. second game as a head coach, and he's going against his alma mater. Uh, but how how do you feel like he views this? What uh, what did you make of some of the comments he he has said over the off season? Was was it taken out of context, or or is he doing this for a reason? Uh, the one about um, when he was talking about going to class at Notre Dame versus other right. places that was taken out of context because he meant Notre Dame has classrooms with twenty people in it, and Ohio State and Cincinnati have a much bigger classrooms. So I I do think that was out of context. I. At this point, though, it is clear Marcus Freeman does not want to talk about Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> no one has seen this yet because it, it was a noon Zoom press conference. Thank you, Brian Kelly, for creating Zoom press conferences on Thursday at noon. It used to be 6.30 at night going into the uh, campus. This is much better. And Marcus Freeman has adopted that. But he was asked by a Ohio State radio station, the first question, about bringing his team into Ohio Stadium Friday. He said, it's not him. He said, it's not a walkthrough. It's, I just want them to see the size of it. I want them to. No surprises when you go there for the game, which makes total sense. It's fine. The, the second part of the question was, how are you going to feel? And Kel, and he just didn't include that in his answer. And then the follow-up was, are you not going to feel anything, Marcus, going back to Alma Mater? And he just said, no. And I was shocked. It wasn't like, you know, just a little bit of lip service. Like, oh, of course, it'll be, I'll be really special to me and blah, 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 10 seconds. But it was a, he's done. <laughs> it's a straight up no. I think, I mean, he's a competitive guy. I think he knows that. He's 0-1 right now, right, with the Oklahoma State loss. And yeah. maybe it'd be a little different if it was 1-0. I mean, it wouldn't be a different if it was 1-0, I guess. But, you know, you don't want to start 0-2. You don't want to lose your former alma mater. And he's, he's definitely over the honeymoon of going back, I think. And that's – now, are they going to show him on the screen when they do this, uh, you know, the retrospective of everybody? That'll be a lot of fun. Who's, who's in the – what alumni is in the, in the stadium tonight? That would be fun if you could if you could pop up Marcus Freeman. Yeah, that would – that and how the crowd reacts, yes. I think, would be very interesting. Just with no uh, label, don't say head coach, right? Just, right, right. Just Marcus <laughs> Freeman played for Ohio State for these – you know. Show him and Laurinaitis together, actually, yes. if you can get oh, a clip of true. them. That's a good point. Yeah, I, 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 I'll I, be interested. I know James talked to a couple people locally um, this week, and, and obviously he's not in the same position as Marcus. Yeah. So, right. yeah, and he's been closer to the program throughout – the, the last several years he did local radio here and, and was around. So he's obviously different. He's a, he was yeah. a good interview. We actually got, we never get a grad assistant interview, but James Laurinaitis is not your normal grad assistant. So it's kind of like when Bryant Young was a grad assistant for one year, it's a little different, but he was, he was really enjoyable to talk to. And I thought he, uh, he made a great point. I mean, a player that great trying to explain to an 18 year old freshman what you're doing. It, it's kind of like when Magic Johnson would coach, like, no, just see the whole floor and find right. the guy open every time. And Laurinaitis is like, yeah, you really got to break it down for these guys. So, I enjoyed him, but it's way different. L. Washington, right. uh, they're also yep. listed coaches go against their their former places all the time. It's it's different for Freeman, whether he says it or not. Absolutely. Um, let's take a look at kind of the the X's and O's of this game a little bit. I think you mentioned the the defensive line for for Notre Dame, and that's something Ryan Day talked about when when he spoke this morning or this afternoon. I guess is that where you think. Notre Dame has the best shot at getting after Ohio State if we're talking Notre Dame defense, Ohio State offense right now? Yes, and I think it's the best shot overall even, and we can get into that. But the defensive line, they're very deep. It's it's a, it's a weird from a national perspective. People kind of probably just know Foskey, Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. It's a really deep group. I mean, they, they go three deep at every position. That matters more over 12 games, of course, than it does against Ohio State. They'll probably pare that down to 10 guys rotating in but they, they really don't think there's a drop-off when they take Foskey off and they bring in Justin Adamiola, who's a twin brother of Jason Adamiola that starts. Yep. Jason Adamiola had, according to, you know, it's according to pro football focus, so you, it's, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but hey, it's the same, it's the same metric because it's going against Foskey. Jason Adamiola had 12 more pressures than Isaiah Foskey last year. So people just don't really, 
the defensive line is very good for Notre Dame. They moved Riley Mills because he was backing up Jason Adamiola to strong side end, and he was kind of the breakout player at camp. So you could argue four of Notre Dame's 12 best football players are on the defensive line, and then you could probably argue four more are in the next 15. So it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of developed talent there that's getting to that junior, senior, fifth year range. So I do think that group will do well. Um, as we said here at the beginning, you can throw over the top. <laughs> they give you just enough time and CJ Stroud's on, then it, you know, it, you'd really have to bother him. I mean, that, that would be a, a tall task. But I, I think that that's the group where if, if Ohio State dictates Notre Dame's defensive line, this is going to be 42-17. to 17. So I think it's got to be where Notre Dame's defensive line wins their battle, but can they win in anywhere else? And if you're watching live and, and you have any questions for Tim about Notre Dame, feel free to throw them in the comments. I'll, I'll try and get those answered while we've got Tim here. But you mentioned Al Washington earlier. He was a guy who came in. Ohio State fans were excited. His dad played at Ohio State. He was the linebackers coach in Columbus, and it did not go well. Um, obviously let go this past offseason, goes to South Bend, joins joins the staff there. What has been his reception? What What is kind of your uh, analysis on what he's been able to do and, and how things have gone with him coaching the defensive line, which is kind of where he got his start in coaching? Yeah, he's and he was a former defensive lineman at BC. Right. And, you know, I think he's in the right spot for that. Um, it's you know he replaced Mike Elston, who went to Michigan. Um, Elston was there for the whole Brian Kelly era, so eleven years. Elston was in that role for eleven years, either linebackers coach or defensive line, and hey, he recruited these guys that, that Al Washington gets to coach all the developed talent. And I'm sure Al Washington walked into his room and was like, 12 guys deep, twelve guys that play. <laughs> That's not bad. I can start there." But yeah, he's. He's definitely an emotional guy in the field and uh, just the defensive lineman kind of say that like he is huge into our technique. Like it's, we are technique, 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 technique. And I think, you know, that's what you probably need if you're going from a guy that was a successful defensive line coach to Mike Elston too. And Elston could probably, would probably still be here if he wasn't kind of the de facto defensive coordinator in that uh, Fiesta Bowl loss where they gave up 28-7, so they gave up 30 points in the in the second half or near yeah. the end of the second half. And it's uh I, I think Al Washington has been received well, but once again, like for him to get heat, Notre Dame's defensive line has to be like a poor unit. And you know, it could be one game this year, but it, it probably won't be over the course of over the course of the season. Well, we've got a question here from, from Sue asking, how many sacks do you expect from that Notre Dame defensive line? I think for, for people out there that haven't paid a ton of attention, Ohio State's offensive line, three starters back. Uh, two guys who have played a little bit. Uh, actually, Matthew Jones has played a lot at, at guards stepping in. So it, it'll be interesting to see. This will, Ryan Day said today, it, it's one of the biggest challenges of this game is how Ohio State handles that up front. Um, what, what do you expect out of the defensive line in this game? And I don't know if you need to give necessarily predictions on sacks, but just in general, how do you think the matchup will, will favor one team or the other? Yeah, I think it comes down to more, do they make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable often mm -hmm. and uncomfortable on third and seven? Like, if Ohio State's going to convert a lot of third and sevens, then it's going to be a long day for Notre Dame. You have to you have to win on first down if you're Notre Dame, and you have to effectively pressure C.J. Stroud on third down and fourth down. If Ohio State's going for it, Notre Dame's got to win fourth down. I mean, you can't – that's a turnover that's not a turnover, but it, it, it's kind of one you, you take from the other team. I would say it's a number of pressures you want to see. You want to see how many times he gets hit and has to move. I mean, I wouldn't expect – you set an over under at three and a half sacks, I mean, it'd probably go to four. You know, I think you get that. They last year they had 41 sacks. Um, trying to think if there's anything that like inflated that number. I don't, I don't think there was not really because like when you play Navy, you get zero sacks, so it was kind of like playing 11 games actually for that to happen. But I, I think how much they pressure him on important downs is key, and uh, it can happen if they have to give extra attention to Foskey because I think these other guys can win their one on one matchups. If someone can handle Foskey, if Johns can handle Foskey on the outside, then then it's going to be tougher, of course. But uh, yeah, getting to Stroud at in a timely manner at the right time—that that's really how I should put it. Like, hey, you, you know, it's first and ten at the twenty. You're going in. And all of a sudden, it's second and seventeen because you sack CJ Stroud. That that makes it a lot harder to score in that red zone situation. And Sue asked another question I was going to get to, but. Notre Dame secondary, Ohio State's wide receivers. I think we'll probably get this question with everybody I talked to this year because of what Ohio State's wide receiver group is. But I forget whether it was Ryan Day or Corey Dennis uh, on their radio show today, but one of them made the point today that, look, the receivers at Ohio State are obviously talented, but only Jackson Smith and Jigba has really proven he can be a clutch player. I mean, yes, Marvin Harrison had three touchdowns in, in the Rose Bowl, but 
Utah had a, a running back playing cornerback sometimes. So these guys have to go out and show it. What do you make of, of Notre Dame secondary coming in this game, and how do you think it matches up? Yeah, this is where it's a problem. This could be a problem for Notre Dame. Now there's plenty of veterans. So Notre Dame is going to rotate three corners that are seniors, fifth-year seniors. And um, Brandon Joseph, a safety, coming over from Northwestern, was an All-American two years ago during the COVID year. They have four safeties that rotate and three corners. And those seven guys have combined for more than 7,000 college snaps. So we're about to find out if snaps and experience can in any way trump talent because none of them really, other than maybe Brandon Joseph and then Cam Hart is a converted wide receiver corner. He would be a pro prospect in the future. Other than that, you're kind of looking at guys like, hey, our fifth-year senior's back. He's a good leader. Our fifth-year senior's back. He's a solid player and knows where to be. Solid player knows where to be is very important against Ohio State because if you're not, it's a touchdown. But can they match up with Marvin Harrison when he's going up getting the ball? They struggled against Oklahoma State and Tay Martin. Right. It's a situation, of course, because you're, you know, you're you're in transition from Brian Kelly and there's there's a lot going on in that game. But uh the Ohio State's receivers, I would give a heavy edge over Notre Dame's secondary. And I go to as far as to say if Notre Dame's secondary comes somewhat draws somewhat even with Ohio State's receivers, then there's the path to the upset that not many people would think about because I do think the defensive line can handle this business up front. One of the things both coaches talked about this week, and I you know, I think it's an obvious thing, but the, the running game, stopping the run, getting the run game going. Um, like I said, both coaches have, have stressed how important that is in a game like this. Obviously, Notre Dame's got, I think, three three running backs they listed as kind of co-starters, um, all rel- relatively inexperienced, I think. Yeah. Is, is you know They weren't the starters last year, I guess. Um, Ohio State struggled to run the ball, especially in short yardage situations. Just from the Notre Dame side of things, if they can run the ball, stop the run, what kind of advantage is that for for them in this game? Because keeps Ohio State offense off the field, doesn't let Ohio State makes Ohio State one dimensional, so to speak. Yeah, it, that it's what they have to be able to do to make to to stay in this game. Really going into the fourth quarter, Chris Tyree was uh, Kyron Williams' backup for for two years. Now last yeah. year he missed about six games with turf toe. Um, went healthy. He's he's the fastest player in Notre Dame's team. If you if you were to Google Tyree or go to YouTube, he's you, you'll see the kick return touchdown against Wisconsin where you see like true four threes jets going through there. Um, he's gotten a little stronger. He was kind of a change of pace guy. He's now up to 200 pounds. He, I think he is the lead runner. Um, Audric Estime is a 230-pounder. Learning fans are in love with him uh, because he looks like the Incredible Hulk. He's the biggest guy that you've ever seen coming. He should get off the bus first. It's ridiculous, actually. But I, I don't know. Does he lower his pads? Like, he barely played last year. He was a freshman on a team with Kyron Williams and Tyree. And, and then the other guy, Logan Diggs, got in ahead of Estime last year. Uh, they're both sophomores now. Estime is the guy that you – if if he is a legit big back, then Notre Dame has a, has a running attack you can worry about. Logan Diggs uh, had a really good second half of the year last year. He actually had shoulder surgery right after the Blue Goal game, the spring game. Terrible timing. Yeah. hurt, of course. He came back into – he was in red, a red jersey most of camp. He came back about 10 days into a blue jersey. We asked Marcus Freeman, you know, is he, is he – could you run him 20 times? Um, none of them are going to run 20 times individually, but could you? And he said yes, but who knows? I mean, Logan Diggs, he had shoulder surgery in April. He had about 10 days of camp. So I consider Diggs to be number three um, going into the Ohio State game. Now, if, I, if you watch the Notre Dame Clemson game two months later, he might be the starter. But I, I wouldn't think he would be all the way back in that manner. Um, so it's, those are the three guys. But really, to me, it's their captain, Jarrett Patterson. I don't think he's going to play. He has a bad foot sprain. Uh, they keep saying questionable. He had some scout team snaps, Marcus Freeman said on Wednesday. Now, he's you know he's he started a lot of football. He, he could go out there. But I don't think he'll play. And he's a pretty important guy. Um, their two best players up front would be the tackles. Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. They're sophomores, so when you see that in the depth chart, you're happy. They are going to be gone after next year as true juniors. They are they are Notre Dame's two of Notre Dame's most talented players on the team. So they're quality they're quality pass protectors as well. I'd be really worried about the guards if I was Notre Dame's coaches right now because Josh Lug is in his sixth year. Sounds good. You know, have 30 snaps under your belt. He's been up and down. Um, and then Patterson was supposed to be playing guard. He's he moved over from center to guard. If he plays, he's not Jared Patterson. If he doesn't, it's Andrew Kristoffic, who started last year for six games for Notre Dame. They have eight guys that have started on the line. Um, and then the center is moved back to center. He actually started the uh, playoff game against Alabama at center two years ago, and he was a guard last year that got replaced. So he's back at center. 
everybody thinks Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be great because Harry, he stands back, but that's one year after being bad. Now I know the coaching, the coaching change, I like to say from Jeff Quinn to Harry, he on the offensive line. And this has nothing to do with Jeff Quinn elsewhere, but he's not a really an offensive line coach. It's like going from learning karate at the Y to Mr. Miyagi. You have Harry <laughs> stand right now. He's a tremendous offensive line coach, but I don't know what overhaul you do in eight months because I mean, they didn't even, they were afraid to try to run the ball against Oklahoma state during that game. They, they just could not move the ball. Um, no Kyron Williams, of course, but there's no Kyron Williams now either. So the offensive line, everybody thinks is going to be, I saw it was number one in Athlon's and number four in Lindy's. That's, Slowly roll a little bit. Let's see them play first. Um, and I think they need Jarrett Patterson too. So I, I, I could, that's what Notre Dame has to win up there up front. That's, that's the question mark for me. Will they? Yeah. Well, and we've heard a lot about Ohio state's defensive line this camp, but last year they, they were low, right? We saw that too. Yeah. 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 Last year they were good, not great. And so we'll, we'll see the progression they've made. You answered uh, Ray's question about Jared Patterson. So thanks for that, Ray. Um, and, and thanks to answering that. Let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about of this series, and this is not an on the field question, but is, is next year getting to go to Notre Dame Stadium. Um, and I think fan bases that, like I mentioned, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people traveling. What is your excitement coming here? Um, and what is the excitement level for, for Notre Dame fans to, to make the trip to Columbus? Not a far trip and get to play in a, or get to watch a game in a place like Ohio Stadium. Yeah, I had just graduated from college uh, the year before when Notre Dame came to Ohio State in 95, so I had moved, okay. and uh, I did not come to that game. Uh, I wish I'd have gone to the first three quarters and then left, you know, when, when all Notre Dame fans sort of left in the, in the middle of that third quarter when things went a little bit awry. Right. But, yeah, I, I, I this is thrilling because we've gone to a lot of – Notre Dame, one great thing about covering Notre Dame is you go to a lot of cool places because you get to go to pro stadiums to play random games like against Navy and things like that. If they, they, don't, they don't play in a lot of little stadiums. So we get to go, you know, overseas to Dublin, get to go to pro stadiums. This is this is on the bucket list uh, for me. And um, my favorite so far has been Tennessee. I think uh, okay. Georgia two years ago was absolutely nuts. I mean, it was electric night game, and I expect that from Ohio State. I, I kind of, you know, as a Notre Dame alum, as a writer, I was I love the night game atmosphere for Ohio State. As a Notre Dame alum, I was going, oh. <laughs> because right. <laughs> that's going to change the atmosphere a little bit uh, in favor of Ohio State, I think. Yeah, I mean, last year they played Oregon at noon, and it was a good atmosphere. It was not the same atmosphere. Yeah, I, as, I was trying to tell people, like, well, Oregon won. They're like, eh, I don't think they took Oregon the same way they're going to take this game, to be honest with you. But Yeah, it'll be interesting. The big noon kickoff has has changed college football for some of these these marquee games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me get you out of here on this because I know you got stuff to do. It's a busy week. And I, again, I appreciate you coming on. I don't know if you want to give a score prediction, but just just your feel for the game and, and how you kind of see it playing out here. Yeah, I, I think that Notre Dame's offense will have some success, but not sustained success. That's where I have my question mark about the offensive line. Tyler Buckner in his first start. Tyler Buckner is going to be Tyler Buckner next year when Ohio State and Notre Dame play is going to be where we're going to be talking differently about him. But, you know, your, your first start. Ohio Stadium at night opener, new receiving core too. I mean, you can rely on Michael Mayer. Uh, it, I think he'll play well. He'll compete well. He's a good athlete. He'll get some yards on the ground as well. I don't know about su sustained success offensively, which I think they need to keep Ohio State off the field. And I feel like you could end up putting Notre Dame's defense in a bind a couple of times, and that's points for Ohio State. So I'm not going as high as some people. Um, I feel like Ohio State gets – you know, of over 31 points. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that 34, 27, 34, 24 range. Um, I do think Notre Dame's defense can help create a field, a short field or two for Notre Dame. And they absolutely need that. I mean, they absolutely need that to happen. Um, I would be surprised if Notre Dame won. I would be very surprised as well if Ohio State just put one on them. Because I think Notre Dame's lines are good enough. And there's so many, as I said, 7,000 snaps in the secondary. They have three starting, four starting senior linebackers. They have, they rotate among three people. 12 deep up front. You got to, you got to figure you can handle Ohio state's explosive offense a little bit, right? 34 points is plenty. Um, someone said to me, why would there be no drop off after losing two first round draft picks a wide receiver? I'm sure there would be, there will be, but if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were here, I'd be predicting 50 to 20. So that's just, <laughs> there, there's a drop off, but what type of drop off is there really? Right. Right. Well, Tim, thanks again for hopping on um, again. Tim's from our, our Notre Dame site, Irish illustrated. 
we did some, I asked him some questions that'll come up on our site um, and in the written form, I tried to steer away from those so that you, you guys can all go out there and read those as well. Um, I'll have that up there either, either later today or tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that because that'll be even more information for those. But if, you, uh, if you're looking for what's been going on with Notre Dame, these guys have done a great job covering all week, all off season, do a great job all the time. Tim, uh, thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you here in person when, uh, when we get to the game on Saturday. Yeah, that'd be great. And we can do this next year in September and I'll make sure my kids are not off work so I can join. <laughs> them <the> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, man. All right. So again, thanks to Tim. That was awesome. He, uh, he's been fantastic helping us out this week with, with information and stuff about the Notre Dame side of things. We're going to get into some of the Ohio State stuff here um, that, that's happened throughout this week. Again, this is if, if you're tuning in partway through, I see we're getting more people in. Feel free to throw comments in the uh, comment section. One thing I'm going to ask for people, I'll do this a little bit later. If you have a bold prediction for this year's Ohio State team, uh, that's one of the things that we did in, in our roundtable that'll come out tomorrow. Bold prediction. If you have one for Ohio State, make it bold. I don't I don't want, you know, I don't want Jackson Smith and Jigba leads the bucket, you know, something like that. I want you to give me a bold prediction that you have for this Ohio State team. So if you have one of those, throw it in the comment section. But I wanted to go back and, and kind of review the, the week. Um, obviously, a big week for Ohio State. We got a lot of media coverage uh, and, and plenty of good things came out of that this week. One of the things, and, and we addressed it a little bit with Tim, is Ohio State stopping and being able to run the ball. I think that's going to be absolutely huge for this game. You've, that's huge in any big game, let's be clear. But with the way Ohio State when, – when Ohio State lost those games last year, it, it wasn't because C.J. Stroud had a bad game. It wasn't because the wide receivers had a bad game. It wasn't even always that the running backs had a bad game. Travion Henderson played fine in some of the big games last year. The, the problem in my eyes was – and a lot of people's eyes, we've talked about it a lot this offseason – short yardage situations. And I asked Ryan Day this week about the offensive line, the starting five, because we talked a lot about the depth throughout the offseason. He's confident. I talked to Luke Whipler uh, on, what was it, Wednesday. He is very confident that this offensive line is, uh, is going to be good. He talked about Matthew Jones and uh, Donovan Jackson, the guys on either side of him, the two new starters on this offensive line, and, and spoke glowingly of both of them. So, you know, talk is talk until you put it on the field. And as Tim was telling us earlier, Notre Dame's defensive line can go 10, 12 deep. They're all very talented. So this is going to be a huge test. And, you know, not only protecting C.J. Stroud, I think they'll be okay there. And C.J. Stroud, you know, he may have to run around a little bit more than he has in the past. But they've got to get that running game going, not just the big plays. Those are important. But pounding the ball up the middle, picking up three yards on third and three, for instance. Or, or it's, it's third and goal you've got to pound it in from, from three or four yards out. I think that's huge for this game and something that was talked about a lot. On the other side of the ball, I think everyone, myself included, very excited about seeing this Ohio State defense for the first time. Sipping my drink there. Cheers. If, uh, I, I mean, I think that may be more, excited for some more exciting for some people than the actual game facing Notre Dame themselves. We've heard so much about this defense all offseason, right? And now there's the opportunity to see what the Buckeyes have done. And, you know, Ronnie Hickman said he's excited to show the world what they've all the hard work they've put in. Jim Knowles said that, that there is a that they are ready to go. Um, he talked about the, the importance of these cornerbacks because he's, you know, safety driven defense is what he said all offseason. Right. And the importance of these cornerbacks and how they make the job of, of everyone else easier. I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. We know Denzel Burke had a great freshman year. I'm very curious how far he's made a jump this offseason. Cameron Brown, back for his fifth year, has played pretty well for most of his career. It's only, only, this is only really his second year starting after his Achilles tear in 2020. But that's another guy who, you know, it's this is your last year of college football. It's time to be... You know, if you want to be an NFL player, uh, and I like Cameron Brown, I think he's got a lot of potential, but it, it's time to, to be that guy. And then the depth there, I think, is going to be really important. It's going to be interesting to see how this is. And we'll see how much we learn about that secondary and the cornerbacks in particular 
for from this game because I it would not surprise me if if Tyler Buckner has a bit of a, a difficult start to his starting career. He's a first time starter. He's played some for Notre Dame, but hasn't. I think he's thrown thirty some passes in his career. Now his ability to run will be very interesting to watch because Ohio State traditionally has, has struggled with that. But I'm excited to see what. Jim Knowles is going to roll out what this looks like. We saw, you you know, if you've gone back and watched Oklahoma state, you can get an idea of what the Buckeyes want to do defensively, but these are different players. These are different. It's, it's a whole different situation. He's got different cornerbacks, coach, different safeties, coach he's working with. They're going to implement their ideas from, from past jobs that they've had. And they both worked at high levels working with some very good players. So what does this look like? How, how does this kind of break down? Um, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things coming out of this game. Um, we heard from Jim Knowles this week. He touched on a lot of things and, and I really liked what he said. And I think this is something that probably, at least from what I've seen, hasn't been talked about enough from this week. He was asked multiple times about like, all right, you've made it. You're the defensive coordinator at Ohio state. This is about as high of a level as you're going to get. If you're, if you're a defensive coordinator, do you look out there on Saturday, come out of the tunnel? Do you have that moment where you take take time to look around and, and really think about what this moment means? And he said, no, he, he's not going to take that moment. He said, and this was this was awesome, I thought, that those kids deserve his full attention on the game. And he can't, he can't take time to think about him. He can't take time to think about what he's done or what he's accomplished. He said he'll figure that out when he's old and retired and, and, and reflect back on, on what he did with his career. And I think that's awesome. He yeah, He's such a cool guy. And, and I can clearly see why players love him. Another thing that he said that was really interesting, and he's actually said this before, but it's been a while, that on he holds players accountable in practice for mistakes. But on game day, the mistakes fall on him because it's his job to have the players ready to go in the game. And that's a thing where if, if you're a coach or if you're a player, sorry, you know, you want to be held accountable and you absolutely need to, um, you know, hold, hold up your end of the bargain. But if you have a coach that's going to come out and say, look, that's, this is on me. If you're not ready to go, that shows that the coach is willing to be accountable. And, you know, I think we've seen in the past with, with defensive coaches, any coaches that, well, you know, they'll come out in the press conference and say something, you know, Kerry Combs did it after after the Oregon loss. It was on him. And, and you know, I'm not targeting Kerry Combs in particular, but to have a coach that, that is willing to take all of the blame if something goes wrong defensively, even before you step on the field, I, I think just shows why, uh, you know, these players love him and, and why they're going to go out there and play for him. And, and I think you will have them ready. I'm, I have little doubt that these guys will be ready to go with with what they've what they've done so far. Um, I'm going to hit on a couple questions that came in earlier uh, and, and then we'll get to a different topic. But uh, Phil Buford asked, are we still expecting a two deep to be released Saturday? No, I, I do not expect uh, Ryan Day. He hasn't done that in a couple of years. What they do do is put out the uh, injury report, so to speak, the availability report that usually comes out a little while before the game. Um, Ryan Day doesn't doesn't do depth charts, and and this actually kind of leads me into to something that that I've really noticed about this program, and 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 I wanted to touch on is, is just the secrecy that they they have. Um, you know, we asked Jim Knowles this week about you know if he was going to coach from the box and or on the field, and you know he he said it hasn't been decided yet, and. He was then asked, you know, are you surprised that you haven't that hasn't been decided yet? He was like, I know where I'm going to be coaching. I'm just not going to tell you. It's like, why not? Like, who, who, what? That's not a big secret to me. The depth chart I get to some degree. Um, a lot of teams do it when when Ohio State did it under Urban Meyer. Excuse me. Cheers. Um, it didn't always match what actually happened on game day, so it really didn't matter that much anyway. Um, I, would, I do think it would be interesting, especially for the first game of the season, just to kind of see where guys are. But Ryan Day doesn't want to do it. We're not going to get it. We've kind of moved on from that um, before. I was asked earlier while uh, Tim was talking to take two sips if I thought Ohio State covers the spread and one sip if Notre Dame keeps it under 17. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, I took one sip. I don't think they cover this game. I do think they win, and my score prediction will be out with everyone else's on the roundtable on the site later but um yeah 
not not a fan of that 17 point spread and and i also think it's a motivating factor for notre dame as i talked about last week um i uh you know i i don't like it that high i, I was fine when it was 14 15 whatever it was before um again i i mentioned this earlier but if you have bold predictions throw them in the comments um i know we've i've seen some in here but uh i want i want to go through those i have some I have an idea for one that uh, that I want to talk about. And if, if you, we get some more in here, we'll, we'll talk about the ones you guys have. So throw those in the comments if you have bold predictions for Ohio State this season. The last thing I wanted to do, and, and this is something I have some buddies that uh, when we're hanging out at uh, at the bar or, or, or you know, a happy hour-like atmosphere, which which this is. And again, I'm at Zaftig uh, in, in Italian Village here. They, they allowed me to record this here today. Cause I've got something going on here afterwards. Um, so, so thanks to them. Cheers. Great place to come in, watch a game. They'll have the Buckeye game on, on Saturday. If you're around the campus area, not far, you can walk from campus. Um, but one of the things my buddies and I like to talk about are kind of like myths or things coaches say that just, just don't ever happen. Um, you know, I don't know what you want to call it kind of BSing uh, with the media. And one of the things, and I don't know if this really falls under a, a BS category, but there's been a lot of talk about how Ohio State's going to use multiple running backs. And, and obviously this was more complicated before Evan Pryor's injury, but you have Travion Henderson on your team. You, he's one of the best running backs in the country. He showed it last year. Now he does get banged up. At least he did last season. Look, I, I think Mayan Williams is going to play. I think he's going to have a role. I think it will be, you know, I think he's going to get a good amount of carries. They're going to keep him happy. I think there'll be enough ga enough games where Ohio State's up big. They don't need Travion Henderson to play in the second half, things like that. But to me, when you have a running back like Travion Henderson, why are you taking him off the field just to put in another running back who, no offense to Mayan Williams, but Travion Henderson's a more talented player and he can do a little bit of everything. Now, if you want to have Mayan Williams in a, you know, third down short yardage, and we talked about that earlier, kind of roll, fine. But I just, until I see it, and I'm sure we'll see Mayan Williams on, on Saturday against Notre Dame, but, you know, it'd be like if in 2019, Ohio State had, you know, brought in Master Teague more often. And Master Teague got a, a good number of carries, again, because the Buckeyes were up big. But I just can't see uh, a world where, you know, this is even a 60-40 split. I mean, I think it would be closer to 70-30 when it matters. If that, Trayvon Henderson's just that good. If he's healthy, that kid should be on the field. And there's a lot of talk about that, a lot of talk about, you know, we need to rotate running backs. And, you know, you definitely want to keep guys happy. I get that. But you also need to win games. And you know, I think that to win this game Saturday – to, to beat some of the teams on Ohio State's schedule. If you really want to be a better rushing team this year, keep Trayvon Henderson on the field. It's, it's pretty simple. I mean, he's, he's just too good to, to not. And, you know, if he needs to come out for a series or they want to get other guys some, some run, that's fine. But unless, unless there's injuries, I don't think you go deeper than those two, Mayan Williams and, and Trayvon Henderson. I think Trayvon Henderson is, is way, way uh, too important to this team to, to not play a ton of snaps. I'm just not buying that, that they're going to take him off the field. Um, another thing that, that I'm at least questioning, Jim Knowles has, has talked about the depth at, at safety and the depth at corner. That was one of the things he said after the spring game. And, and I think Dave Biddle actually wrote about this on, on Bucknuts. But if you look at Jim Knowles' secondaries traditionally, they don't rotate very often. Now, he hasn't had the depth, like I mentioned, or the talent they will have at Ohio state. But to me, if, if you're, if you have your best guys, now there will be situations, there's going to be situations where you need court Williams in the game, for instance. And, you know, just situationally, he's the better fit for whatever you're doing that series, that play, that, that game, maybe even, but I don't see this rotation that we've seen in the past. And, and the, the talk about the depth at corner, for instance, because they only have six scholarship corners, unless guys get hurt, uh, I think you're going to be just fine because I think you'll play basically two corners, maybe a third corner at times. Um, and th that that's going to be all you need. You've got a nickel in, in, in on the field as that third safety who can cover things. And so, you know, I don't know, I don't know why there's been such a panic about some of the depth, especially corner safety. There's, there's plenty of depth there. I just don't think they're going to use it. 
I think that it's just kind of been a little bit overblown. It's just me. Maybe I'm wrong on both those things, but those are two things that stood out to me. Um, both got brought up this week and I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't see it. So cheers to the things that I think are, uh, are a bit BS um, with, with this team. Anyway, let's go into these bold predictions because I think this is always fun. I've seen a few of them in here. Let me scroll through as I, uh, I'm going to give you mine first and then I'll pull um, some of these out. And this will be in our round table, which I think will come out on Friday, uh, maybe Thursday evening. I'm not sure. But um, and actually, here we go. This this is a question that fits it well. Does Julian Fleming bust out this year? My bold prediction. Remember, this is supposed to be bold. This isn't supposed to be, you know, what I think is going to happen. Julian Fleming leads this year with this team in receiving yards. And that's a bit of a spoiler because it'll be in in the round table that I mentioned. But look, kid was a number one receiver coming out of high school. He played in a very different offense than he did in high school or than he did, does at Ohio State. He's battled injuries. It took time to adjust. But if Julian Fleming is on the field throughout the year and he's healthy, he could easily be Ohio State's third wide receiver with Marvin Harrison, uh, the other outside receiver, and J uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot. And if that's the case, I mean, just, you know, you know that – Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get covered. They're going to put a lot of attention to him. People are already aware of Marvin Harrison because not only does he have a pro football hall of fame father and then went into the Rose bowl and did what he did, but he's also huge. I mean, you just, you just see him on the field. You think you have to cover him. Julian Fleming, I think could be the guy that at least for part of the season goes under the radar. And, you know, again, if he's healthy and that's a major caveat here, got to be healthy, but it would not surprise me if Julian Fleming has a breakout year. And if I'm making a bold prediction for this team, he leads the team in receiving yards, has a season like Jackson Smith and Jigba did a year ago. I thought about doing, when, when we were asked this, I thought about doing Marvin Harrison. I just don't think that's bold enough. I think that it's, it's pretty easy to see a path for Marvin Harrison to be that, that number one uh, receiver when it comes to um, receiving yards, which is what I'm talking about. I think, he, I think that can very easily happen. For, for Julian Fleming. Now, another guy who I know people are very excited about. Here's a, here's a good bold prediction. Mecca Buka gets two kick return touchdowns this year. That comes from Ray. We can see that happen. Um, you know, Ohio State hasn't had a kick return touchdown. I think that was 2010 Jordan Hall against Michigan. So, you know, it's there's been plenty of good ones at, at Ohio State. For whatever reason, they just can't seem to figure out how to how to get that into the end zone. Like Mekigbuka had a couple good ones last year, and I think he's definitely the candidate to, to break that streak. Two kick return touchdowns. Now we're talking about some, some crazy stuff. Uh, but look, if, and, and here's another reason I think Julian Fleming could be, you know, on the field more. If, if Mekigbuka establishes himself as a dominant kick returner, Maybe you don't use him as much on offense, especially if Julian Fleming's healthy. Obviously, he he will step into a bigger role next year. So I can see it happening. It is bold, but I especially given Ohio State's situation, but I could I could certainly see it happening. Dylan says CJ pulls the Joe Burrow Heisman championship first overall pick in the draft. I don't know if that's that bold, honestly. I mean, it is bold because that's a lot to do for one season. You don't see it happen very often, but I think there I think there's a pretty easy path. E easy, you know, relative, I'm using air, air quotes here, but, you know, I think CJ Stroud is, he's my favorite to win the Heisman. I think that he will, um, you know, get an easier look than Alabama's Bryce Young because he's not the returning Heisman Trophy winner. Took a drink, cheers. But he also, if you go back and look at his per game numbers last year, remember CJ Stroud didn't play in that game against Akron with the shoulder injury. And then he didn't get a chance in the Big Ten Championship. If you look at his numbers on a per-game average against Kenny Pickett and Bryce Young, who won the Heisman, Kenny Pickett, another Heisman Trophy quarterback, or Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback, C.J. Stroud's numbers are right there, if not better. So you got another year. Kenny Pickett's not in the, the picture anymore. Obviously, Bryce Young is still at Alabama, but we know that it's very hard to win back-to-back -back Heismans. It's been done once. I'm pretty sure you guys all know who did it. So – to do it again, he would have to have a monster year. CJ Stroud just has to continue to do what he's doing. National championship? Yeah, I mean, you know, if Ohio State's defense is is improved, I've said this plenty of times. If they're a top thirty defense, I think they I think they should coast through most of their schedule this year. 
I think they win the Big Ten. They're in the college football playoff. And look, I don't want to run into a defense that, as I have said before, I think will get better every week. And if it's a if it's a top 30 defense at the end of the year, that means probably by the end of the season, they're playing more at a top 20, top 15 level. I don't want to play them in the playoff and find another team. So I think a national championship is certainly on, on the horizon for this team if, if they live up to what we think they're going to do. First overall draft pick for CJ Straub, if he's the Heisman Trophy winner, if he is the if he just helped his team win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, he's already being talked about in that light. I think he's a better pro prospect than, than Bryce Young. Obviously, there's some other guys in there. Let me get to some other of these bold predictions because uh, I think these are fun. Sue says, Ohio State's O-line wins Joe Moore Award. I like that one. Uh, that would mean, so for those that, that aren't aware, Joe Moore Award goes to the best offensive line as a group in the country. That would be huge for the Buckeyes. That is my, I talked about this, I think, last week. That's my one concern. If I have a concern for this offense, is that offensive line. I just, you know, Paris Johnson at left tackle, I think he's going to be good. But he didn't look great in the spring game. One practice, we, we got to watch the whole thing. There were some iffy moments. Kid was a five-star top tackle in the country, so he should be fine after playing guard last year. But it's, it's got to work. Donovan Jackson has played a little bit as a sophomore. He's in a guard. I really like Luke Whipler and, and Dewan Jones. Uh, Matthew Jones has, has played a good amount, but it's a different role. And, and, and it has to come together. The offensive line has to blend. So that would be huge for Ohio State. I think that's the thing to unlocking the best offense in the country again. And, and not only, as Kevin Wilson has pointed out, not only statistically, but the best offenses also win. And, and that's what Ohio State has to do. Let's, uh, let's look. This secondary, this from Ray, the secondary will surpass 2017 and have more than 14 interceptions. That's bold. Definitely bold. I'd love to see it. I think we all would love to see it. 14 interceptions is a lot, man. Um, you know, that also means you have to play teams that are going to throw the ball quite a bit. Now, Ohio State should be up in a lot of these games. But, you know, I think I, I think there's a, at least two teams on the schedule, Wisconsin and Iowa, that want to run the ball and run the ball a lot. So you, it's, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I think that's about as bold as, we, as we've seen so far. Um, let me scroll through here, see if see if we got any more bold predictions here. Here's one. This one specifically this week. Bold prediction, OSU 56, Notre Dame 17. As I said earlier, I don't think Ohio State's covered the spread. I think they win, but that is certainly bold. If they do that, watch out for the hype train because Ohio State, uh, Ohio State will be uh, the talk of the town next week. Now Alabama goes to Texas week two or week three. I don't know. It's coming up here. And, uh, you know, so obviously they'll have their chance to, to showcase themselves in a big game here early, too. But, yeah, if that's that type of blowout, it, Buckeyes will be what everyone's talking about. Here's another one, special teams. Two games of which, this from Lisa, two games of which we have multiple punt and kick return touchdowns. I don't know if I can get behind that. That, Given Ohio State's track record, that would be, uh, that would be a lot for them to – to, to, to do another Mecca one for Josh Mecca will have the most receiving yards. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, I think that's honestly more likely than, than Julian Fleming doing it just because the injury history with Julian Fleming, we've seen a Mecca and, and the plays he can make. So um, I should, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, I think obviously the most likely guy to do it is, is Jackson Smith and Jigba again. He'll certainly be, you know, covered more, closely than he was a year ago but i think these other receivers are going to require coverage too um and you know we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with the receivers i think it's an interesting conversation um zach harrison 15 and a half sacks from yes your car did i get that right zach harrison have 15 and a half sacks defense will lead college football takeaways and tackles for loss if that happens build jim Knowles a statue because i think if if you're doing that uh, Larry Johnson deserves it too. If Zach Harrison clicks, that would be awesome. Uh, but if if they lead college football in takeaways and tackles for a loss, you've done your job, Jim Knowles, Larry Johnson. Uh, I, I think that's, uh, I don't know, Jack Sawyer, 12 sacks in the same vein. That comes from Jim. Jack Sawyer is going to be really good. I think he's getting overshadowed a little bit by JT2 and Malau. Cheers. But Jack Sawyer looks nasty i mean the kid just continues to get bigger i mean he he certainly fits the part um so 12 sacks is a lot 15 and a half sacks for zach harrison would be a lot but 
I like these. These are bold. Cade Stover from, from Jim again. Cade Stover, 30-plus catches. Hasn't happened in a long time for an Ohio State tight end. Uh, I don't remember exactly the year off the top of my head, but I know it's been quite a while. So, yeah, that would that would certainly be interesting. Uh, Mayan Williams outrushes Travion from James. Nope, I said it earlier. I don't think Mayan's on the field as much as people seem to think. Um, you know, I in my mind, this is Travion. Travion Henderson's too talented to, to be out there. Uh, Henderson, nearly 200 yards by the half on Saturday. If you can rush for that many yards in the first half against Notre Dame, I think you're in great shape. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. I got something going on here in a little bit that I got to get ready for, but thank you guys. This is the second Bucknuts uh, happy hour podcast that we've done. I appreciate everyone who was able to tune in live. I hope to be able to do these a little later in the day. Uh, normally when we do it next week, but Tim had to be on early. He meant, as he mentioned, he had, he had kids off school, so he had to get done early. Hope to do it a little later where, where more people can actually enjoy a beverage with us. But thank you guys very much for tuning in. I love doing this. I hope to continue to make this a fun thing. If you have ideas, if you're on the Bucknuts uh, front row message board, let me know what you think about this. We're, we're certainly willing to adapt and adjust and everything for, for this. Um, again, if, uh, if Ohio State can do kind of some of these things you guys predicted, we're looking at a national championship season. Obviously, those are bold predictions, but some of those things not out of the realm of possibility. Again, thank you. Thank you to Tim for tuning in. Make sure you're, you're going over to Bucknuts. We've got a lot of good content, even more stuff still coming before the game. Um, if you're around the stadium, I'm going to be walking around before the game on Saturday. I've got some friends in town that, that are going to be at some tailgates. So if you happen to see me, don't hesitate to say hi. Um, I, I always like to, to talk to people when I get the chance. And, you know, like I said, trying to do some fun stuff here with, with this. So thanks again for, for tuning in. Please stay, stay tuned to Bucknuts. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps us out. And uh, Cheers. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.